For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio by Soccer New England photographer Joyce Furia. Uh, Revolution having a game last night, a 2-2 draw with the New York Red Bulls. Uh, it was a good opportunity for them to make some ground up on D.C. United uh, with D.C. playing Chicago today and only coming away with a 1-1 draw. Uh, but things stayed as they were with the Revolution unable, unable to hold on to two different leads given to them by Taylor Twelman first in the 22nd minute and then again taking the lead on a great goal in the 70th minute uh, with his left foot off the... Uh, with, uh, actually sliding in with a shot that hit off the left post and passed the goalkeeper there for a, a great opportunity that the Reds probably didn't deserve to go there, go there ahead with the chances the Red Bulls had. Uh, it was a very interesting game, uh, but unfortunate the Revolution could only come out of there with one point, especially considering their adjustment in the tactics of bringing on James Riley to add an extra defensive presence there and still being unable to contain uh, Juan Pablo Angel. Yes, I thought it was a very frustrating game to watch, even from the very beginning. Um, if you'd asked me what I thought the outcome would be about a minute into the game, I would have wondered how much we were going to lose by. But if it hadn't been for uh, Michael Parkhurst being right there on the line to head that ball away, and Reese, of course, um, our two big defenders in the back, um, it would have been a lot worse. Fortunately, they did seem to pick it up a little bit, but it was still very frustrating to watch. And Parkhurst made another big play right after the kickoff where uh, Francis Doe made it all the way back into the box, and Parkhurst managed to dispossess him right up there off the goal line almost. Uh, so cer certainly the first minute there, as you said, was <laughs> not not the best start for the Revolution, especially on the road, but they managed to quiet them, the uh, Red Bulls down a, a little bit after that and had to, a pretty good streak there. Uh, up until Twelman scored, and uh, after that, the Red Bulls kind of came back to life, and coming to the second half, the Revolution started off well again, uh, but Twelman's goal kind of came against the run of play there when the Red Bulls kind of got control back, uh, and then the Red Bulls again scored that goal by Juan Pablo Angel. Uh, certainly disappointing defensively there for the Revolution to let him run in alone. Yeah, I, um, I taped the game, and I watched it actually earlier today, and what absolutely amazed me, when I got to the when it got to the point where Angel had his just getting to the ball is that there were five Revolution defenders lined up across the field, which is what one of the first things a good coach tells the defense: don't line up across the field. And Angel was essentially uncovered, and Doe had two players on him. I don't understand what happened. I think we're lucky we got away with the time. Especially when you're going up strikers against that, and they had brought in Altidori at that time, too, so they had plenty of strikers on the field, keeping a flat line there. 
uh, when the Revolution defense, not particularly the fastest in MLS and against, against a pretty speedy forward line, didn't seem to make the, the best sense, the, the best defensive strategy there, especially with Angel right in the middle. Uh, perfect position to run into that pass and nobody covering him. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed he was not completely uncovered, but left uncovered quite a bit. And considering who he was, that was a serious defensive mistake. Um, in, in my opinion, the Rebs have two defenders. One's Matt Reese and the other's Parkhurst, and the the rest are well. They're all right, but we desperately need some good uh, left and right, good good backs. I I almost I shouldn't say almost. I do wish Joe Franchino were back, and I know he he isn't the greatest player in the world, but he plays with tremendous amount of heart. And one thing I've noticed, and and John plays well too, but Kano Smith drives me insane. He will play well for a little while, and then uh, he'll miss an obvious, obvious opportunity. And it's like his his head's not totally in the game all the time. Um, and if I see one more real speedy run down the side and cross that practically lands in the next county, <laughs> <laughs> what can you say? And it, the the thing about that too was his uh, last performance against Dallas. He was playing great uh, offensively. His crosses yeah. left a little bit to be desired out to the near post rather than a little bit deeper. But uh, still, he was playing a great game both offensively and defensively. It's just the consistency that yes, that's from him is exactly. still lacking. Exactly. I, I noticed at one point, uh, Shalry Joseph passed the ball to him. He could have reached it. He re- It was like in the 15th minute or something. He could have reached it if he had just made a little bit more effort, but he didn't, and it went to uh, the Red Bulls. Fortunately, you know, they didn't score off it or anything, but it was it, it was typical Kano, you know, one minute going like crazy, the next minute, I, I'm not exactly picking daisies, but uh, maybe watching the artificial turf grow, I'm not sure. <laughs> it seems like he's had, a this year particularly, he's had a, a lot more success at home uh, at least, yeah. At least overall, more successful at home than he has been on the road. And uh, on turf services in particular, didn't certainly wasn't the case last night against uh, the Red Bulls on yeah. the turf service. But it does seem like he has maybe more success on, even on turf services than he does on grass. I don't know why that would be, but with, like such as the spectacular goals against uh, Real Salt Lake on on their turf field, and it seems like uh, his better performances have been uh, artificial surfaces. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the ball bounces a lot. I don't know if that. In, in terms of Kano makes a difference. I was really glad to see him get that goal. I mean, I do believe he tries hard, that he works hard, um, and he is better this year than he was last year, but there's still a lot. No more no more of those balls kicked, uh, what, 75 yards down the field to who? <laughs> and, and looking at the revolution recently, uh, the kind of a worrying streak here is that uh, against D.C., they were able to get off to a good lead, and they couldn't hold it. Now against the Red Bulls, they had a lead, and they couldn't hold it. Uh, particularly with the playoffs coming up, that's yeah. that, those are two teams that they're likely at to face, particularly in the first round. Uh, very good chance that they could end up playing the Red Bulls in the first round of the playoffs, particularly if the standings end the way they are now. And if they do advance, there's a great chance they'll be playing D.C. on the road in the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, leads aren't going to be easy to come by, and when they have one, they need to be able to hold it. That's true. That's true. And adding to that, um, Twelman was injured. Hopefully, it's nothing serious. It's a minor injury. But he was injured last night. And to the referee's credit, he did not card either uh, Laurentowitz or Joseph. So we still have both of them. But if either one of them gets another card, they're out for the following game. And that's that would really hurt. 
especially with Joseph missing out on the Open Cup final anyway. So, right. so he should be one of the players that has that extra rest, and I don't think he was going to want uh, an extra an extra game's rest in addition to that with an, another suspension. Yeah, yeah. To, to just to say one thing about the referee, whom I have not seen a whole lot of, um, I thought he was very even-handed. I thought there were a number of things he let go. I think he was trying to let them play. Um, but there were some things he could have called, and then there were those uh, two offsides calls. But at least they balanced each other out. And he, I did not get any sense that he was favoring either team. Um, hopefully referees don't, but you, sometimes you wonder. But this guy I thought was pretty even-handed. But I wish he'd called a few more things. And you mentioned not seeing a lot of them. I think they mentioned during the broadcast that he hadn't refed a Revolution game since 2002, which is oh, wow. a, a bit surprising <laughs> considering the, you know, it doesn't seem like there's that many referees in MLS. Well, there, there aren't. I, I talked to um, to Joe Machnick early in the season when I did a, did a piece on him. And I'd asked him about that way back when there were like 200 referees. Uh then they cut that down to 50. Now they're down to a, a little bit under 20, and a couple of those are from Canada. So we should be seeing the same guys pretty much over and over. But uh, as you say, this guy hasn't been, well, I don't know where he's been, but he hasn't <laughs> been at <laughs> doing the Revs games, that's for sure. And with, with Twoman going down injured late in that match, uh, this was certainly a match where he showed just what he's capable of with uh, creating that chance and second chance there, uh, just getting on a loose ball there and really, yeah. really putting in an, an excellent finish considering from the position he was in and the the, the chance he had there. And then the header uh, somehow managed to find him, get himself wide open there on that yep. free kick. Uh, he showed what a great header he had there when just a few seconds later, uh, down the other end, Francis Doe had a similar position. He sent his shot uh, well wide, which seemed like almost right. the exact same free kick, which really shows how important Twelman is to this team and really what he adds. Oh, oh, no question. Uh, he's he's a terrific goal scorer. He's also a little frustrating because you think he's going to score and then he misses. Um, but then he comes up with what he did in, in last night's game, especially that second one. That's a, That was a beauty. But we needed both of them. We needed both of them. I'm, I sure, heck, sure as heck hope he is there next week. And with the 14 goals in the season, certainly the Revs' top scorer for the year. And not a lot of players that are going to make up for that one if uh, it's certainly it's good to have Adam Crispin on the bench, a guy who wasn't there last year uh, yeah. if Twelman had gone down. But uh, it, it's great to see him there. But certainly with the playoffs around the corner and the Open Cup final, it's not be a good time for Twelman to pick up any kind of uh, serious injury. Yeah. Well, he was. Uh, he didn't look like he wasn't carried off, or he didn't look like he was in a tremendous amount of pain. He looked uncomfortable. Also, I'm I'm wondering about uh, Noonan. Because he was subbed out, uh, what, about the 60th minute or something. And uh, later they showed a shot of him on the sideline getting some treatment. So hopefully both both of them will be will be fine for next Saturday. And we did talk about in the past the kind of the the lack of depth on the Revolution's bench uh, with them having the two open roster spots that have still been unfilled. Uh, yeah. it, it was interesting to see that with Twelman going off, that brought in Wells Thompson and actually put him at forward, certainly not his strongest position. Right. Uh, with 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 a guy like Noonan and Twelman both off the field, with Noonan being subbed out earlier, uh, makes you have to wonder, you know, if Twelman really did go down, and then who would who would be the guy next guy off the bench? Yeah. Would it be Chris Loftus, who we saw make his first team debut in the Open Cup? Because it doesn't really seem like they have that many forward options anymore. I, I don't think they do. Um, I'd, I'd like to see these two brand new guy. I can't. I don't want to massacre their names. Two new guys from Ghana. Um, I, I know one of them has played a few minutes. 
Uh, the other one hasn't played at all. Another one that I wonder about, and he's not, I think he's a midfielder, um, is Brian Byrne. What's the story with him? That's very interesting, too, because he, he signed with the Revolution kind of mid-season right. and made, a de- made his debut just a couple days after, and we haven't seen, yep. him, seen him from him since. The other thing that uh, was a little bit interesting is Gary Flood back on the bench in this game. He actually wasn't on the bench uh, in the last home game against FC Dallas, which is which is strange considering he seems to be the first option so the guy like Laurentowitz or Joseph got on injured. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was a knock, but uh, it was good to see him back on the bench for this yeah. match. And another player I would like to see out there is Marshall Leonard. Uh, he was out all last year injured. I know he's as far as I know he's not in you know I talked to him briefly in the beginning of the season he's he's okay I mean he's get he was getting his form back this was several months ago um but I I think there were times he he'd be better in defense than he'd be better in defense than Riley it certainly is not bad to have you know coming off the bench where the, sometimes last night was really the rarity where they used all three subs but having fresh legs off the bench He's maybe a guy that they could be using more of. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the the uh, two players that the Revolution recently signed. Uh, Niasi was one of them. He's he's the guy that actually played in the Open Cup and was a really good spark off the bench in that game and had it had yeah that's right didn't get credited for an assist but really yeah. had a the play that created the game winning goal. Uh, he played I believe the next the next league match but he hasn't played since too. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays any kind of uh, role in the run up to the playoffs. The other guy, uh, Mansali, actually scored a left footed free kick. Uh, in the under-20 World Cup, I believe he's a left—he's a left-sided midfielder. I think that's where he's been in practice. So s- certainly that's a spot that that he could. We could definitely for use him. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting yeah. to see like how that works out going into the playoffs. Maybe if the Revs uh, towards the end, if their spot is secure, uh, going to the last game, maybe we'll see a little bit more of these guys. Yeah, I would hope so. I—I I don't know. I the. Um Reserves game. The reserve games are over. Correct. I believe there might be one actual actual reserve game left this season uh, at home. I know I was looking at the schedule recently to see if yeah. they actually had any home games left. Uh, but the reserves have actually been doing pretty well this season. I believe they have yeah, a, they a have. record of about five and three. They actually had a game last night. I'm not sure uh, what the final score was with that. The league is pretty slow to update their the reserve competition. Uh, but looking at the Revolution reserve schedule, they do have actually two more games. Uh, on October 7th at home against Chicago Fire, and then actually on October 7th away against the Chicago Fire, and then at yeah. home on October 14th against the Columbus Crew. Uh, so the lead up, lead up to the playoffs will give these some these players some more time to get integrated yeah. with the team and see yeah, they just be, what they can do. Yeah, they should be in good shape if they play that soon before the the playoffs. Yeah, I'd love to see some of these guys that are. Uh, I know their names, I know their faces, but I've barely seen them on the field. Um, was it Helton? Had has had like nine minutes, I think. <laughs> if that, I'm not sure. I was looking at the schedule the other day of of how many minutes everybody's had, and uh, he had it. I think he was in one game for a very brief time. I I don't get it. Why did they sign these players if they don't use them? Well, it's good to see. Um, I'm getting time with the reserves, and you never yeah, know. You never true. know what could happen in the next years because you see Jeff Lerunowitz. He was a player that I believe in his first game saw, him, you know, maybe first season saw one minute on the field, and then look what he's done. So that's so true. You, you, you got a very good point there. He's more of the exception than the rule, but yeah, uh, you never know what could come out of these guys in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you, you don't get many uh, Clint Dempsey's that you pick, um, and he, start, he starts on the bench. And you know, a few games later, he's the starter, and then he wins the uh, 
uh, Rookie of the Year, and we all know where he is now. So uh, that's an exception, unfortunately, to the rule. And if you look at the guy, Lorenowitz, which is you know even more rarity than Dempsey, because he was drafted, I believe, two picks away from being you know, no picks right. left. So that's right. I'd he, he just as well that. could have been without a team, and, and now he's a key key component yes. to the Revolution midfield. Yes, we've got him under contract for a while. <laughs> certainly, certainly the Revolution better hope so, especially with uh, Joseph's uh, contract situation being unknown. We've heard from him earlier in the season saying that you know he certainly wanted a pay raise, pay raise if he was going to stay here. So uh, he'll prove even more of a key factor if Joseph ha- ends up leaving. Oh yeah, yeah. But I hope Shalry doesn't. I, for Shalry's sake, I hope he goes wherever is best for him. But for our sake, I don't want him going anywhere. Certainly, certainly not a guy that the Revs would be able to replace easily. Uh, best midfielder in MLS by yep. uh, a lot of people's standards. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to take a, a quick break here, and then we'll be back, uh, hopefully with Don Cuddy from Soccer365.com. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined in studio by Soccer New England writer and photographer Joyce Fioria. And now over the phone we have soccer writer Don Cuddy. Don, can you hear me? Yes, Sean. How are you? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. No problem. Always a pleasure to be on the show. And I know you watched last night's game against the Red Bulls. Uh, the, Re- the Red Bulls certainly had their chances in that match. Uh, but the Revolution had two leads and even brought in a defensive substitution there at the end to try to hold on to the lead. Uh, were you surprised that they were unable to you know, hold on to the lead? It seems like that's been a kind of a pattern they've had lately, against, uh, particularly on the road, giving up early leads. Yeah, well, it was an interesting game last night because, um, I mean, the first half, the Revs really didn't have any chances, and uh, Taylor Twelman got one opportunity and put it away. And uh, it reminded me of the week before, you know, where... Uh, against Dallas, you know, we really were much better than them, but because they had Ruiz, you know, you give a goal scorer a look at goal and he's going to put it away. I mean, that's how they earn their money. And uh, Twelman demonstrated last night what he gets paid for because he got two chances and uh, two goals, you know, same as Ruiz. But 
I thought that uh, the Revs, there was, well, the, defensively, uh, I didn't think either team did a particularly good job last night. I mean, uh, Twelman had a free header, you know, so that was pretty much a breakdown at the back for uh, New York. And then uh, on both of their goals, we didn't look too good. I mean, uh, the first goal, you know, Richards, sure enough, he's got some pace, but I think he got away from Avery John a little too easily. And then uh, Michael Parker uh, just couldn't stop uh, Doe coming in. So, uh, you know, he put that one away. And then if you look, I just looked at the replay of the second goal where uh, the Reds actually had five guys trying across the field. But uh, when that high ball came in, both Parkhurst and Avery John went for it. Neither of them got there. And Ankel had uh, timed his run beautifully, so, uh, you know, he got in one-on-one with Reese, and a guy like him isn't going to miss a chance like that. So, you know, uh, you know, I thought the Rebs were worth the draw, but uh, it wasn't a great game, really. I mean, I, frankly, I hate looking at games played on these uh, fields with uh, artificial surface and football markings on them. You know, it really takes away from the spectacle. Yeah, it's defi- definitely uh, not as good not as good to see those matches on the artificial surface as as on the regular grass. Uh, but but looking at did you mention the Revolution's defense not looking too great in that match? It, it seems like that's been a problem throughout the year of uh, the defense giving up some soft goals, disappointing goals, uh, particularly heading into the playoffs now, where where we typically see the Revolution really come on strong and uh, finish off the season very well. It's got to be a little bit wearing for the team going into the playoffs and playing teams like Red Bulls and D.C. United, two of the teams that they're likely have to face in the playoffs if they are to make it to the championship and uh, really defensively uh, having these lapses. Hello? Yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought I'd lost you. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean that's the, the last half full. I mean, um, if you're going to make mistakes, it's better to make them now than in the playoffs when, uh, you know, you make a mistake and it's going to cost you a lot more than it does in a regular season game. I mean, uh, you know, they dropped points last night. D.C. drew at Chicago today, so uh, pretty much things are unchanged. Uh, the players know what went wrong, and uh, I think, like, you know, we have seen some uncharacteristic errors, though. I mean, I fought Matt Reese for a goal last week where that high ball came in, and, uh, you know, uh, he didn't get it. And You know, it's unusual to him to see Matt coming and uh, not getting a ball that he commits to getting. So everybody's human. You know, I don't think anything that we've seen is irreversible. And, uh, you know, going into the playoffs, we have a very experienced squad. So, you know, all of these teams in MLS know one another so well. It's hard. It's very hard to get an advantage. So, you know, it's like boat racing. When you're racing a sailboat, you know, the guy who makes the least mistakes usually wins. Well, you talk about uh, the playoffs and uh the familiarity between the teams and the team like DC was really at, made a few uh, not big name additions, but uh, some some players that have huge impacts like Luciano Emilio and uh, Fred. And then you see a team like the Red Bulls who added a guy like Juan Pablo on hell, certainly a bigger name, Claudio Reyna. Uh, they're they're likely the team that the Reds will have to face in the first round unless uh, the standings change around with Kansas City catching up. But what do you see for the Revolution in this playoffs? Is this a team that can make it to the final or that that can actually finally win it? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, that's one thing about MLS. I mean, it's you're not watching, uh, you know, Arsenal against Derby County. You know, I mean, any given day, one team was capable of coming out and beating its opponent, regardless of what happened the previous week. And um, so I think the Rebs uh, certainly have as good a chance as any, and uh, perhaps more because we have a core group of players now with so- solid experience, and uh, that's going to stand them. But... Uh, 
You know, interestingly, uh, I was talking to Andy Dorman in the locker room after last week's game, and uh, I asked him about the Nielsen, and he said, well, you know, he, he still got the moves, but he lost his pace. And I said, well, you know, what about the Revs getting a big-name addition? And he said, well, you know, the way that Steve Nichol coaches, it's a team game. Everybody contributes, and they all pretty much get treated the same way. And if you had a guy like Danielson coming in or somebody similar who had a big reputation, it might upset the team chemistry. So I'm just putting that out there. I don't know whether uh, many of the Revs fans, had, uh, they're probably snorting in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would, as much as anybody else, I'd like to see someone coming in there who would uh, put people in the stadium and generate some more atmosphere and excitement than you know, make the media perhaps take a little more uh, notice of the revolution and soccer in general. But, um, you know, having said that, look at look at what the team's done. I mean, we're in the playoffs again, you know, three MLS Cup finals. And, uh, you know, there's not many teams that have the record that the Revs do. And uh, there's no team that has the budget that the Revs do. I mean, talk about uh, frugal New Englanders. I mean, these, these guys are writing the book, you know. <laughs> so, but it seems to be working. I mean, uh, the Revs play pretty decent football, you know. Uh, you know, they haven't had it. When's the last time the Revs are on a losing streak? I mean, we'd have to go back to the record books. You know, they have, they have their ups and downs like everybody else. But the foundation is solid. And that's all down to Steve Nichol. I mean, obviously, he's uh, got a keen eye for a player. And he's developed players that have come through. And, uh, you know, without any, without spending money, and without getting anyone with a big name, they're still up there every year. So... I'm, I'm always optimistic because, uh, you know, the players respect Nickel and, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you, you have a bunch of players, they have to play together, so they have to get along to get a team spirit going, and I think uh, Steve and Paul Mariner, that's the way they approach the game, and, uh, you know, that's the way they treat people, and that's why it works so well. And it's, it's also good to see, as you mentioned, the, the core group of guys that they uh, kept over the years. And these are all guys now that have the experience of making in the in the cup final and uh, know what to do in the playoffs. As we've seen from Nickel every year, made it to the Eastern Conference Finals since he's taken over. Uh, so certainly that's going to be a positive going into these playoffs. That uh, you got to look at the, just the record that they've had under Nickel and the record that they've had these past five years uh, with these pretty much the same core group of players over those time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know we've seen uh, players come in and uh, move along like. Uh, Clint Dempsey, you know, and uh, on the Clint Dempsey watch, I can report that, um, you know, he's quite friendly with Andy Dorman, so I said, I said, hey, Andy, uh, how's, uh, how's Clint getting along over there in London? And he goes, he's taking up golf. And I says, no way, man, you know. He said, yeah, well, he's got a lot of time on his hands, and, you know, it's a way of staying out of trouble. So, you know, uh, I don't know, is there any other rappers that golf? I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> I hope he doesn't have to wear the polyester pants now as well. You know? <laughs> well, looking at the season so far, there's been a lot of a lot of uh, interesting acquisitions throughout the throughout the league. A guy like Blanco, who's certainly turned Chicago's season around and had a big impact in uh, their success and their probability of making the playoffs, uh, which looked like none before his arrival. Uh, Beckham certainly had an impact before before his injury. Couldn't really save Los Angeles' season. Uh, it doesn't look like they'll be making the playoffs at this point in the year, the way they've been playing. 
Uh, but a lot of interesting acquisitions, the big names like those two, and some of the smaller names like uh, the Melios and Freds, the uh, Argentine players that Salt Lake signed that certainly have had a big impact. Uh, it's great to see these these big name additions, but uh, we haven't been able to see the Rabbits bring in a player like uh, of any of, of any of those type of players. Certainly, yeah, like Niasi and Mansali who they brought in. But going to the playoffs with those two open roster spots, uh, what do you think it is that these other teams have that the Revolution don't as far as uh, the ability to bring in these type of players? I can only guess. I mean, uh, I don't have any uh, inside information on that. I mean, uh, I mean, the assumption would be that they're uh, not willing to pay. I mean, uh, I mean, what, what, what else? What other reason is there? I mean, uh, what you'll what you'll hear Steve Nichols say is that. We're not going to bring in anyone who isn't better than what we have. You know, we've been hearing that for years. And, uh, I mean, they did, they had, they have open spots and they, they must have got some money from the, the Clint Dempsey deal. So, um, you know, I don't know how hard it is to find players. I haven't been in the position to try and find them. I don't know what these people were asking and uh, how realistic they were. I mean, there was some talk about Robbie Fowler earlier in the year and that apparently was mostly press talk, but, um, you know, once the Beckham deal was announced, I think uh, people tended to assume in Europe or in England particularly that uh, there was plenty of money available over here, not realizing the salary caps that uh, exist in this league. So, you know, it's I don't I can't answer the question of why the Revs haven't acquired any big name players. Is it because of Steve Nichols' coaching philosophy? You know, which is that we we want uh, team players rather than big names. Is it the fact that uh, the Kraft organization is running the revs on a shoestring? Or is it a combination of both? Or is it just the fact that uh, they haven't been able to find a player who's been suitable at a price that they're willing to pay? So, you know, I don't know. All I know is that uh, if we did get somebody new, he might uh, generate the kind of excitement that would uh, freshen things up a little bit with the revs because there are a lot of people on the team now who are most, more or less guaranteed a starting spot, and uh, I would like to see a little more competition for places on, you know, on the first 11. And it is interesting to see that the, the success, as we look at this team, really built up from the past Super Drafts uh, for the majority of the team with uh, a, lot of luck, a lot of lucky from the, or maybe not luck, but a lot of, a lot of very good late draft choices. A guy like Adam Christman who went in the fourth round of the draft, and Jeff Lerunowitz, who we were mentioning, uh, almost missed out in the draft. Uh, where they haven't had luck scouting internationally, they certainly have had the luck in the draft. Well, it might be luck, but uh, I would tend to think with their track records and all the rookies of the year they've had, there's a little more than luck at work yeah. here. I mean, I mean, especially when they spot people who are passed over by others, and uh, then they go on to earn starting spots and become good, good solid professionals, you know. So I think they need. They, they, I'd, I'd give them a lot more credit than that. The professionalism and uh, experience that the, the Revs coaching staff has. I mean, I mean, I don't think luck is really a factor there. I think it's more or less uh, talent, you know, because it's it's just an it's like an ability to to see the game, to read the game, and 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 make the, the required coaching changes. You know, how many times have we been mystified by substitutions? that coaches make, even in uh, big tournaments like the uh, Euros or the World Cup, you know, a coach will panic. And, uh, you know, the Revs never panic. Yeah, definitely with the 
the way Nichols' coaching certainly can't be faulted with with what he's done over the past few years, getting them so deep into the playoffs. Uh, and this year, making them to the Open Cup final, hopefully make, bring them back to the MLS Cup final. Uh, but looking at the Revs' upcoming final four regular season games as they try to catch DC United, they're really playing, especially in the next three games, three teams that are going to be uh, fighting for a playoff spot, teams that maybe don't have the best records right now. Uh, and then in the last game, Toronto FC, a team that will probably be eliminated, but in front of their home fans and the season, certainly going to be motivated to go out there and win. Uh, could it really? Do you think this schedule is probably harder for the Revolution than uh, one where they'd be facing teams like D.C., Houston, and Chivas, who have already kind of locked up their spots in the playoffs? No, not necessarily. I mean, uh, I mean, I think that every professional team wants to win a game, and uh, you know, even if they're out of the playoffs, they'll be playing for pride. You know, just to demonstrate to their fans, particularly that uh, you know they're still worth uh, the price of admission. So, you know, I think the the Revs know that they uh, have to win their next game, and I don't think anyone thinks beyond that. You know, on the coaching staff. I mean, I. I don't. I wouldn't think Steve Nichols sitting there, you know, trying to put the next four games in a box and, uh, you know, just, you know, compartmentalize it or quantify it. He, he just takes it as it comes. I mean, uh, I think that the focus is on winning the next home game against Colorado, and I certainly think that's doable. Yeah, you know, definitely. Well, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Pepe plays. Has, has Pepe been starting for them? He's been off and on. It seems like they don't really seem to have a set lineup throughout the, the year because Kinsella certainly seen his time in the starting lineup but also seen his time on the bench so yeah. uh, you, you really don't know what to expect from them yeah well it'll be nice to see him back in Foxborough anyway I, I know you had an article to finish for uh, your deadline but uh, before I let you go could you tell us uh, what what places you're currently writing for where people can see your uh, writing on the revolution yeah well I mean uh, Soccer 365 is uh, my mainstay I have been contributing to uh, 90 Minutes magazine though uh to be perfectly frank, I'm getting somewhat disillusioned with them since my last story. They, uh, when I interviewed uh, Frank Yallop, they printed his club as Ipswich Town with a T in it. <laughs> and it's like, who's editing that? Uh, you know? So, of course, it has my name on it, so then I look like an idiot, you know? But uh, 365, Soccer 365, uh, that's where I write. And uh, that's they've just uh, redone that site, and it's... Uh, pretty fresh information on world soccer in general so uh, that's uh, what uh, puts me in the press box at Foxborough which is uh, a good place to watch a game and the food is good as well I have to say <laughs> well thanks a lot for joining us today alright Sean I'll see you I'll have a good night and uh, keep up the good work there you too thanks a lot bye bye that was uh, again Don Cuddy who writes for uh, Soccer365.com uh, we are going to take another break here and I'll be back to talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, Women's World Cup games and the U.S.'s performance so far and that, making it all the way to the semifinals. Uh, and then a little bit more about the Revolution's upcoming schedule and these teams they have coming up. We might also have uh, Midnight Riders president Monty Rodriguez joining us a little bit later in the show.
National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined in studio by Joyce Furia, writer and photographer for Soccer New England. Uh, look, we got mentioned we're going to look a little bit about the uh, Women's World Cup. Uh, the U.S. has done very well so far. Uh, they mentioned their struggle scoring. They kind of broke out of that against England with a 3 nothing victory. Uh, but really great to see them into the semifinals again. Kind of expected right. with this team, though. Oh, I, th I, I definitely think so. Um, I think they'll be in the final. I hope they win. Um, I, I want to say they should, but in this game, of course, you never know. Um, what I'm really interested to see is how many of these women move on to play in this revitalized, renewed, or whatever you call it, WUSA. Um, I don't know how that's going to go. I remember when they started it back in 01. Uh, Joe Cummings, who was a GM at, uh, at the Revolution, uh, is now G a GM CEO and was before for the Breakers will be and of course the breakers have just landed um excuse me tony DeChico as their head coach which is a very very good sign who is going to be playing is is still unknown they had talked about uh, starting in 08 but some of the teams haven't gotten everything together so it's going to be 09 but the thing i'm i'm concerned about is the first WUSA grew out of the Women's World Cup in 1999. And, and personally, I thought it was too soon to start one. I didn't think they'd be able to, to do it financially. Um, and they weren't. They, they ran for three years. The fourth year, um, 04, it, there was no league anymore, but they did like guest appearances before it folded completely. There have always been people who've been trying to bring it back. Working behind the scenes, um, I, I wish them all the success in the world. I, I really, really hope they catch on this time. But I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, I know last time there was a lot of you know, talk that uh, that they had asked MLS for you know help in structuring the league and planning. That they right, really I didn't, remember that. They really hadn't paid any attention to what they had told them. Uh, I, I would, I would hope that this time that they saw their mistakes last time and uh, really know what they need to work on. I. I, I remember hearing things about the f people in the front office making making a, a lot more money than the players, and possibly uh, some of the World Cup stars making 
uh, significantly more than the other players in the league, some of the lesser-known players, which you know, in some cases makes sense. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly how this league is run. Uh, and certainly certainly maybe that maybe the fact that it's not going to happen next year uh, might also hurt interest a little bit because uh, the initial the initial news that it was coming the league was coming back uh, would have sparked back interest the World Cup right now would have too but uh, maybe maybe two years from now we'll, uh, the initial interest won't be as great I, I don't know um, I think if if they were playing the World Cup in the United States uh, I'd say you're absolutely right but because the World Cup is being played in China uh, it's not on every the you know in the front of everybody's mind i'm delighted to see they're broadcasting it on espn because i watched uh, a number of games including the england um us game um but i i don't know that it will make that much difference i it's expensive there's no way around it what they don't have uh are the likes of mia ham and julie foudy and some of the originals and uh i think that's Sad to have seen them go, but may be good for the uh, for the um, league altogether. We'll see. Yeah, and you mentioned some of those original players and the big names uh, that that really household names like Mia Hamm. Right. Then that would certainly would have brought popularity to the league. Actually, now though, we have uh, Monty Rodriguez, the president of the Midnight Riders, joining us over the phone. So we'll get back to the subject a little bit later. Sure. I uh, would go back to the revs now. Monty, can you hear me? Uh, hey, Sean. How are you? Good. Hey, Monty. How are you? Good. How are you? Very, very good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, no problem. I know you were down in uh, New York for the trip to to see the Red Bulls game. Uh, how was that experience? It was good. Uh, yeah, the team in general played pretty well. Um, it was another issue of another game where we gave up a late goal, and yeah, that part of the frustration hasn't changed yet. Uh, but the atmosphere was pretty good. Uh, Team played pretty well in general. Um, there were there were times where we were we, we looked really good, and then there were times that we just fall asleep, and that cost us the second goal. So, did you guys have a uh, safe trip down there and a an enjoyable time? And could you actually tell us a little about uh, how those trips are arranged for the Midnight Riders? Uh, sure. Yeah. No, the trip was the trip was pretty good. Uh, we we really didn't have any problems. We had a couple of issues after the game, but nothing big. Um, you know, the riders put together these trips. Um, Every single year, uh, at least once to New York. And depending on interest, we try and do it twice. Um, and it's it's basically just trying to get enough people together. We give a discount to our members uh, to go on these trips. It, and uh, you know, it, like this last bus was the bus and the game tickets were sixty bucks, including everything. So it's a pretty good deal. We have a, a deal with one of our bus companies and the local bus companies that they allow us to have alcohol on the bus and. We were fortunate enough, the first time we went down, we had 130 people, so we had a second bus that uh, was uh, more of a family bus without a lot a lot less alcohol than the second bus, which was uh, well-received by a lot of people. So. And looking at the uh, upcoming games uh, for the Revolution and the upcoming playoffs, uh, you mentioned that the frustration there from seeing the Revs uh, give up that lead there. It, it seems like that's been, a, as you mentioned, a, a, worrying, a worrying thing for the Revs. Uh, do you think this team can kind of pull together? I know we've heard him talk a lot to the media about uh, addressing this problem there, but it still seems like that, that that's the problem, is particularly on the road with giving up those leads. Uh, with that in mind, do you think this team can go into the playoffs and uh, certainly make it make a case for them to make another MLS Cup final appearance? You know, it's a, it's a very good team. I don't think that anyone questions that. But the problem, you, know, you, you can't just make it go away if it's, it's been a problem all year long. 
and that's what worries me. I think we can we can play with anyone, but the lack of composure towards the end of the games, especially for a team that has been so good defensive the last last couple of years, is just amazing. And that's my worry: is if we can't if we can't hold leads, especially in a playoff game. You know, if you think about our last two Eastern Conference Finals, we've been up one nothing, scored in the fourth minute, and then just defended. Well. I, I don't know if we can do that this year. And, I, you know, I hate seeing it that way anyway. But if we try and do that this year, I don't have a comfortable feeling that we'll be able to hold the lead. So, that, you know, that's that's a huge issue. And I, I think, I hope not, but I think it'll come back and bite us. And we'll just have to see. I mean, if they don't take the, if they take the, their foot off the pedal like they did last night, it's going to hurt. And kind of on that same note, they... Kind of change up the lineup there, bringing on James Riley when they have the uh, lead at the end. That's some, not something we've seen them do really at all this season. Uh, maybe maybe that was part of their attempt to address that problem. Were you surprised at all that they kind of made that formation change? Um, not really. You know, you, you could see it coming, and you know, Riley's Riley's a pretty good defender. I mean, you know, obviously I love our guys, I love our team, but there's one guy that you're comfortable with 90 percent of the 100 percent of the time, and that's Michael Parkhurst, and then the rest are. Earth can be beat, and they have been on a regular basis this year. It's, it's, <laughs> Sean, it's just, it's really scary when you're up a goal with, with the Revs right now. And you just, <laughs> you have a bad feeling. We were talking about that on the bus back. It's just, you have a bad feeling that something's going to happen. And it's just like, how long can we hold on to this lead before something bad happens? Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. It seems. I remember in 2005 when this team also had a you know very good record. This year, it's certainly a, a very strong record going uh, going into the playoffs here with only six losses. Uh, I, I can't remember having the same type of feeling. Uh, I know we've had it in the past in other years, but I remember going into the 2005 playoffs when the team had done so well. I don't don't remember having the same type of feeling of uh, such worry when the Revs go in with a, a lead like that. I, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I apologize. I was just saying, I, you know, in the past years where the Revs had a similarly strong record in 2005, uh, it seemed like when they had a lead, you felt that they were going to hold on to it. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, completely. I mean, yeah, again, as much as I hated to see how we played when we were up 1-0 in both those Eastern Conference Finals against Chicago and D.C., you still had a comfortable feeling that we'd, we'd hold the lead somehow, that the race would, would make that one save or Parkhurst would be there for that one time that was needed or whatever. And this year, it's just you, you don't have that feeling at all. And it's it's tough as a fan to sit in line. And I can't even imagine what it must be like for the players. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're not going in thinking we're going to blow this. But you know it's got to be in the back of their minds, whether or not they want to admit it, that they've had problems holding on to leads this year. And they've given up how many points to teams because they've blown wins that have wound up in ties or in a couple of games losses. And it's interesting, too, uh, talking to the players. I know when we had uh, talked to Parkhurst after last weekend's game, uh, where they had gone up three to one, he said, "Oh, finally, finally, we've got this you know two goal lead that you know we don't we can we can play more comfortable." And they always oh, gave it right right back up there. Uh, it, it's it's surprising under a, a Steve Nichol coach team in particular because that's something we've come to expect when the Revs have the lead that they can hold on to it. Uh, but going into these playoffs and seeing the teams are going to face DC, very strong offense, uh, Red Bulls, very strong offense, these likely to be the two teams that the Revs would have to beat uh, to advance to the final. Uh, do you think that they do have uh, the team capable of doing that, or that this could be the year? It's, I would never say no to that. That that's obviously the hope. And I, I, at the end of the day, I believe we can. Um, 
But, you know, if, if it, an issue keeps occurring all season long, you can't just hope that it'll go away in the playoffs. And that's, that's where these issues keep coming back to is will they stop? Will they somehow be able to hold on to a lead finally? Will they, you know, these guys, New York, D.C., they come at you. They just repeatedly come at you. They don't, and yesterday especially, we just seemed to not control possession at all. We just kind of booted away and give it right back to them and let them come back at us again. And those games are the ones that we wind up having to give up the leads. Those are the games that we, we blow points in. And I don't know if that's going to change for the playoffs. I hope it does, and I hope um, I, I hope that we win every game 4-0, and then it doesn't even matter. But but I don't think that's what it's going to be like. And they, they do also have the uh, U.S. Open Cup final to look forward to, but they will be without Shari Joseph in that one. I know you guys have planned a, a little bit of a trip going down there as well. Uh, what do you look forward to in that match? I think that's going to be a fun game. If it's anything like what we saw the other night in Foxborough against Dallas, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, they were missing some starters, uh, you know, Toha being probably the, mo- the most important one that uh, didn't hurt us that he wasn't playing. Um, but, yeah, there, I mean, there's about 15 or 16 of us that are going down and a couple more hopefully that might be able to join us. Um I think it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, you know, I've unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I've been to every final that we've been in, all four of them, in the three MLS Cups and the Open Cup, and this is going to be my fifth. And really, I don't want to be the jinx anymore, so we have to pull this one out. <laughs> well, before we let you go, could you tell us about uh, if you have any upcoming trips coming up and uh, where fans who are interested in joining the Riders can find out about that and find out about uh, becoming a member of your group? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's midnightriders.com. Um, we, you know, we, in general, we do at least one trip every year to New York because um, that's the easiest one, obviously. Now, we're not like in London where you've got 20 clubs around that you can just go to on a three-hour ride. Um, you know, New York's our closest, so we at least do one bus trip there. Um, this has probably been the best away support that the riders have ever put together. Uh, we had about 20 of us out in Chicago earlier this year for the season opener. Uh, we had a, uh, about, I think, a dozen of us for the appropriately named Dick Wiz Tour, where we went to Denver and saw Dick Sporting Goods Stadium, and we went to KC the following, well, that Sunday, and saw the Wizards. Uh, luckily, we won that game. Uh, we've got 70 of us going out to Toronto at the end of the season, actually, the last regular season home, uh, away game. So, I mean, unfortunately, that one, as you, you, you know already, that stadium's packed every game. So there's no more tickets available, and we've pretty much bought out everything that's available to us. So uh, it's, I don't think we'll be putting together any more trips in that regard, but hopefully for a playoff game. You know, unfortunately, it looks like we'll be going to D.C. for the Eastern Conference Finals. So if we do, um, we'll have information up on our website on how people can join us, whether it's just tickets or um, you know, if we try and arrange something as a group flight or some kind of carpooling system, uh, it'll all be available there. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work. Thank you, guys. Again, that was uh, Monty Rodriguez, the president of the Midnight Riders uh, Revolution Supporters Group. Uh, again, the Revolution do have an upcoming game at home this weekend against uh, the Colorado Rapids, a team that they lost to 3 to nothing uh, in August. Uh, certainly, that, that's going to be a score that they're going to want to reverse and uh, should, have, should have a lot of motivation going into that game. Yeah, I sure hope so. I, I'm, I'd love to predict they're going to win the next four games. But I'm looking at the next four games, as I mentioned earlier. Well, ex- I'm sorry, excluding the Open Cup. I hope they obviously I hope they win the Open Cup too. But let's let's have them sweep the the four remaining. Oh, we'll see. I'm looking at those games. 
Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Colorado, a team that needs needs wins to make the playoffs. Uh, Chicago, another team that needs wins to make the playoffs. Columbus, a team that needs wins to make the playoffs. So these teams are going to be highly motivated teams coming in here. They're, they're, yeah, the Reds, the Reds are just going to have to keep it up. Uh, keep in mind that these guys are going to want it more than they than they need it, and they're going to have to just put that much extra effort out. Not like uh, last night, but hopefully, like they will this coming Saturday. And again, going back to the. Women's World Cup, a little bit to change subjects again. <laughs> I know we're talking about that. Uh, the U.S. Uh, upcoming game, uh, looking at looking at the opponents that they've had to face so far, uh, th- this is this is really a, a World Cup that, uh, with the team they have, they should be able to win it all. Oh, I think so. I think so. And with the uh, Women's World Cup, unfortunately, this year the games have been uh, really early hours of the day, which is which is part of the dis- disappointment of it being in China there. Uh, 8 a.m., 3 a.m., 5 a.m. games. That's right. It, it's like uh, the past World Cup that was in Japan in 2002. Uh, time zone difference, I think, has hurt the audience, the U.S. watching audience, for this. I do, too, which is one of the reasons I don't think it will affect WUSA ultimately, except hopefully to bring some uh, some new strong players in who've, who've had World Cup experience. And again, the U.S.'s game coming up is on the 27th against uh, Brazil. Brazilian team that's done really well so far in this tournament. Uh, surprisingly, surprising how well that they've done being uh, Australia. They actually, have to, Australia actually came back in that match from a two-goal lead, but Brazil from a two-goal deficit, but Brazil still won out in that one. Uh, and then Germany and Norway, two really tough teams that, uh, if, if the U.S. advances, uh, would make for a very interesting final. Either one, either Norway or Germany. I'm kind of betting on Germany. I'm assuming, of course, the U.S. will be there. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know it's it's interesting to see how strong the U.S. is is, is on the world stage. The U.S. women's team compared yes. to the U.S. men, where uh, the U.S. are really really the best team out there. Yes, yes, I agree with you. I think they are. Um, but women playing professional soccer, which all these women do at at one pl- place or another, um, is still so new compared to the men's game. And it's absolutely and uh, U.S. Brazil semifinal game. Look back to the U.S. Brazil men's game and how that went, and the, really the quality of the Brazil team there. But the Brazil women's team has really gone, come a long way over the past few years too. Oh, they definitely have. Yes, yes, they really have. We do have to wrap things up here. Uh, again, we'll be here next every week here from uh, 7 to 8 p.m. right on WNRI 1380. You can get the archives for Revolution Recap at revolutionrecap.com. Uh, again, the Revolution game this weekend on Saturday against Colorado Rapids at 7:30 uh, on TV 38. Uh, right at Gillette Stadium. Uh, I'd like to thank Joyce for joining us today. My pleasure, Sean. I'd also like to thank Don and Monty for uh, coming on the show, and we'll be back next week.
The Autumn Fest Countdown is on. Northern Rhode Island's event of the year, Columbus Day weekend, at the World War II Veterans Memorial State Park. WNRI. One socket. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.